Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Rick, thank you again for opening this up like that. A little bit unique of an entrance here and the first opening like that we've had on the podcast so far. So I appreciate getting the opportunity to listen to a little bit while enjoying some coffee and opening up well. So everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We are here sitting with Rick De La Rata. Is that correct? Is that pronounced mm-hmm. that okay? All right. That's good. That's very good. Sweet. And and Rick is with Jazz for Peace. Uh, and so I would like to thank Rick for coming on today. Thank you for the time, Rick. Thanks a lot. I was trying to do something as short as possible, uh, but this melody, it's autumn leaves. And I don't know when it's going to air, but it's autumn in New York City right now. So it's like the perfect you know, time for this song in terms of the season. And it's a French song. So most people don't, you know, just know it as an English song, but it actually comes from France. So I sang half of it in France for you. How long, how long have you been uh, in the music industry? Wow. It depends on what you want to call industry. Uh, because in all honesty, I mean, uh, my homeroom teacher, his sons were having a band, wanted to put a band together. So he had put me in that band. I think it was in like seventh grade with his, my homeroom teacher's sons were playing the school dances. And then um, the next thing I know, there was a grown-up band that wanted me to play with them to, um, you know, kind of um, play in the grown-up places. They're going to sneak me in and sneak me out and drive me, pick me up and drive me home, promise my parents I would, wouldn't get in trouble, yada, yada. <laughs> and then my mother dumped the, um, you know, the church organ position on me. And then I was kind of overloaded, so I had to quit my paper route. So I've been a mu- professional musician since that, since I quit my route, my paper route. I've been a professional musician. So I don't know at what point would be industry. I don't know. would have to see, you know. And it sounds like it started pretty early. About what age was that you started to play or learn uh, playing an instrument? Well, I was about six years old when I was staying up to try to catch Santa Claus and a large thing came into the, you know, something like somebody big was moving in something large through the front door. And that was about all I could vision, I could see without getting caught. Because my parents had really let me know they did not want me, you know, trying to catch Santa Claus this year, because I had tried last year too, (laughs) unsuccessfully. Uh, So I figured that's about as good as I'm going to get without getting caught by my parents. So trying to figure out what that was that Santa moved into the house is what got me started. Very nice. And then did your parents, what was, what was around? What did you start first start playing? What was what? What was, what did you first start playing? And then did your parents like help you get lessons and things like that? Well, the first thing I started playing was kind of the free improvisational stuff that I'll do for you as a little later, but it's kind of something I would just, you know, hear it and listen and make it up. And I would play things that I would just sense in the air, you know, of that moment of just trying to make a spiritual connection, as we've alluded to off camera. And I was kind of making a spiritual connection with the piano as a little kid, just with nobody, you know, what are, what are these, what happens when I push this, what, you know, and I was just learning it on my own. And um, then I did get caught. I was trying to do that on the sly as well, because I didn't, I wanted to figure it out without anybody knowing. Uh, but then I ended up in piano lessons, um, 
because I, you know, my, my mother either found out or someone told her, whatever. So then I had the classical piano lessons going with that, you know. And then, of course, there was the music on the radio that I really liked and the other kids liked. And so, you know, I realized, hey, this is a gateway into all kinds of stuff, you know. Plenty of trouble for me to get in with this piano. Yeah, that's for sure. And are you happy with so like the career that it ended up leading into? Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, some of the most, um, wow, what is that? I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I don't know why. It's good. So what happened is um, the uh, there's so many things, as you and fitness were telling me offline, you know, there's so many things that are essential in your life that people kind of throw aside to chase a career or chase this or that. And you've got to have mental You've got to be mentally fit. You've got to be physically fit. You have to be spiritually together, those kinds of things. And those are really, and those are really important, those kind of things. So I was getting some very essential, uh, necessary life things from the, um, yeah, let me shut this off here. I can this off. Um, I was getting things from, from, uh, you know, the um, the piano was giving me like spiritual, you know, qu- qu- you know like I, was, I felt like I was in touch with something. I was reaching people in the 1800s, you know, playing a piece by Chopin. And I was like, wow, I'm getting benefits from this, you know. But importantly, it stimulates your intellect. So I was getting a lot of things. So I was gaining a lot of things that were help, helpful to me going to help me in life in general. And then uh, moving forward in my life, because I was, like I said, I had all that going on at such a young age. Uh, The next thing I knew I was, you know, the college needed me, but I was still in high school, but they needed me to play in their college band. So they had to switch my paperwork. So I could, my senior year of, of high school, I actually went to college so I could play in their jazz jazz ensemble what they call the jazz ensemble anyway and these kinds of things you know and then so i never really looked back um i don't know what other careers are like but i do have friends that do so many different things and i noticed sometimes they have to go and get these spiritual qualities after work that i'm getting through my work you know what i mean so you you have to factor there's a lot to factor in you know uh, in terms of life and mindset. And that's why we have people like you to, you know, help people with the, the, the importance of, of being physically fit and, and the spirituality, the spiritual mindset that comes with fitness. There is definitely a, a tenacity and a mental fortitude that comes associated with being in fitness. But I also think it comes with being involved in, in, in anything that we set our mind towards, right? So if, if it is music, it takes some it takes a lot of discipline and time and patience and those things end up bleeding into other parts of our life whether i want and, and also the skill of learning and then self mastery right all all these things lead towards better relationships they can lead towards uh, better overall career better business savvy like you you have the opportunity to to, to kind of navigate the world i think infinitely better if you really dive into something that you really care about you know, that's the thing. If you're doing something that you're really passionate about, um, that's, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that in itself, you know, and then traveling around the world. 
a lot of people, you know, they make their money and then they go traveling. And I think that's great. Um, but I see them because I travel all over the world. I've traveled all over the world, you know, as a musician. And it's a very special thing when you do that, because a lot of times you're, you know, you're connecting with the people uh, of the you're connecting with your music with these people all around the world. So it's it's a it's a very special um you know, there's, there, it's very, it's something that you can't really, it's hard to replace some of the things that you get from music. It's hard to buy them with money. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to replace uh, them if they're, if they're, if you, if you didn't do them, you know? So there are things that you can't really, um, you can't really describe, you know, they're not really, they're not really purchasable per se, you know? How Especially you- with jazz for peace. Now, ski bumps for peace, which we talked offline. That's another thing where you're, you know, there's some moments uh, on skis that um, I want. I wouldn't want to have, you know, I wouldn't want to give up either. That's fair. So, what? So, what was your experience like traveling abroad to go play? At, at that point, did you realize, like, holy crap, I've made it? You know, or or was it just kind of the next step? And were you in the moment, in present, and appreciative during that time, or was it more of a um, an after the an afterthought? You know, there are so many times where you're like, wow, I must have made it to get this. I must have made it to get that, and then. Um, you never really make it, you know, I don't think it's because, uh, it's like you, what game are you playing today? What the game, if you play a good game of life today, you've made it, you know, I wish I could tell people that are down on their luck or whatever. I wish they, I could tell them this and they would believe me because, um, there's so many things that have happened where I thought, Oh, I must've made it. I mean, you know, when I got a letter once from Barack Obama from my 500th Jazz for Peace concert, you could say, wow, I really made it. I mean, Jesus, this guy still get this letter, you know. I can't, you know, the next day I had to, you know what I mean? It's not, I mean, the only thing I could say maybe like if you, I don't know, Joe Namath when he won that Super Bowl and uh, what was it, Super Bowl three? you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I seems like he made it because people will always remember him from that Super Bowl, you know? But then if you follow his life, and he once wrote me a note too, Joe Namath. But anyway, he uh, if you follow his life, you'll see that he got into quite a pickle with alcohol and a divorce and this, that, and the other. And so those laurels, they don't go very far. You've still gotta you've still gotta meet the next challenge of the next day. So I think it's better to just say you never really made it, but you might have achieved some goals that you had, which now have led to other goals. Because once you achieve one thing, another one opens up immediately. And you're almost, you're almost, it's almost a setback because now you're like, you were close to a goal maybe before, and now you're really far away from your next goal. Support for Ben Thinking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code thinking at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. I got my lawnmower and weed whacker recently 
And I immediately put the weed whacker inside of my nostrils. No nicks, no snags. And I have never been able to smell things as good as after I used the crop, the weed whacker. The crop preserver makes my balls smell nice every single day that I'm in the gym. And of course, we love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THINKING. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I like that perspective quite a bit. It is not that I've made it, but I've accomplished a new goal. Because in in lifting, it's it's quite the same thing. And in competitive sport, you know, you we we get to the point where like you know you you first start lifting, and you just you want to get to the gym, right? And then now I'm in the gym. Now I can notice everyone around me. Oh man, everyone's better than I am. Now I'm not there yet. It's like, but you made the you you accomplished the goal to at least step into the gym, right? And then you get to all the point where you're starting to compete on the national level. And you're still looking around like, oh, my God, I'm still not there yet. Right. But it is a goal you ultimately achieved. I I do like that perspective. It does hit home quite a bit. So it's definitely something that that I'm going to go and take with me for sure. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I definitely like that quite a bit. Great. I appreciate that. Well, you know, take the um, take the guy who, you know, gets uh, a scholarship to uh, college to play basketball, let's say. Oh, wow. I've made it. But whoa, are you a long way from, you know, the NBA, if that's your goal, you know what I mean? And then what if you do get drafted? Whoa, that's only a beginning. I mean, unless you're the number one pick. And of course, we've seen these number one flops in football. I mean, they're just, you know, and and then that's a brutal thing. Now, if let's say you're the number one pick and you flop, You've got a long way to come over that, but you can still overcome that. You see these people that have done amazing things with their life after they belly flopped as the number one draft pick. So what I'm saying is it doesn't every which way you look at it. You know, if you get drafted in the NBA and you show up for training camp, you're a long ways from anywhere. You know what I mean? You're a long ways from making it in the NBA if that's your goal. A long way. So. That's what, you know, what you just described is what the deal is. It's just another, another thing opens up and it's another sink or swim. And if if you rest on your laurels from your last thing, that's going to be, you're going to, you're really digging yourself a hole. You're just, all you're doing is making it, you're just going to make the situation harder for you to, you know, to, for the next thing. And that, that's other goal that ain't going nowhere. That's the problem. You can't just say, eh, no, it sits there and stares at back at you. So while you might be resting on, you know, that letter you got or this or that, or this, uh, uh, 850th concert that you did to help outstanding causes, whatever. Um, that next goal starts staring at you like, Hey buddy, you know, what's going on here? And you know what I mean? And so you've, uh, you've got to get with it for the next one it's just it's ongoing so you kind of have to embrace the journey i was gonna say like it it, it seems it could be very um it it can push people off on starting their journey but in in reality it is just it's just another thing it's embrace the journey you're gonna become a better human at the end of the day and then in your later ages if you get to have some some either kids or grandkids or just have the opportunity to influence people in your community you you can give back in a really cool way and the things that you say that are they carry that much more value right they, they have a much more wisdom to support them 
And so then therefore you are, you know, you're, you're, you're high value in your, even if it's in your small community of 10,000 people or 5,000 people, you know, in these, these very small towns where you might be a, a school teacher at, you just, you come back with this very like wide set of experiences and you can give back to the community in a huge way. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's amazing how important somebody can be that might have no idea the uh, profoundly positive effect he can have on another person's day. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. You know, I mean, the one that sticks out to me was, you know, one time I had done all these things now to ski this powder in Utah where they have this, it's this uh, place near Salt Lake City where the, the, the salt lake comes up, the salt in that lake ends up dumping, you know, the saline and it dumps like tons of feet on, on these few mountains and the ones with the, you know, most vertical, if you can get, you know, yourself there and be there at the right time and be there when that happens, you know, you hit something. It's like the surfer who gets the hundred foot wave, you know? And so I done everything that I had to do to get to that situation. I'm in a ski bum little house with a bunch of ski bums and we're all together. You know, we have a little bike that we ride the bike to the, um, bus and we got to catch the first bus to get to the mountain and all these little things have to take place and down comes the snow i go to get my bike because i got to ride to the like two two miles just to the bus stop and then i'm you know if i make that bus i'm on my way flat tire oh. i don't know why i have a flat tire i don't know why so here i've done everything that i could do and i got a flat tire and i'm walking out with the flat tire and there's nothing for me to do now except walk two miles to where I can get someone to fix the tire, you know what I mean? Like whatever, get the tire fixed, and then at least I can maybe ride home after I screw up my powder day. And I walk outside with a bike, and a car is going by, and it looks like he's trying to pull over or something. And I'm like, "What is this guy? I don't know. What is this strange?" Pulls over, opens the door, gets out. Hey, and I'm dejected, you know, as you can imagine, you know, I want to try to be positive, but you know how that is. Nobody's perfect. I'm a little I'm bummed, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not in a good mood. And even though, like I said, even though I do want to try to be in all that, I'm cognizant of, of that I should, you know, I, I should keep my stoicism qualities here and all that, you know, guy gets out. Hey, man, I'm like, no, I'm not who you're looking for, kind of, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I can't be who you're looking for. I'm not even from here, you know? Hey, no, no, you. Yeah, me? What, what can I do for you? That tire. Yeah, that I said, do you need air? And I need air. Yes, sir, I need air. I, he says, I've been driving around with this pump in my back. He's delighted because he's been driving around with a pump, a bicycle pump in his car, and he keeps forgetting to take it out. And he just does, he's so upset because he never gets to use it. Opens his car, pulls the pump out, puts air in the tire. Wow. And says, I did him a favor, he acts like now. I don't even, you know, I didn't even, he doesn't even know about the skiing situation, the situation I'm up. You know, he's probably on his way to his day job or whatever, has no idea what is going on here. I can't even thank him. He wants to thank me for giving him a chance to use the pump. Wow. He's the hero, right? The man's a hero. That's I don't know who he is, but he was a freaking hero. I get on that bike. I race two and a half miles as fast as I can pedal. And the bus is just pulling out. They see me. They all know me. The guys in the bus are no, you got to stop for Rick. And I lock the thing up and get on the butt and make, you know, powder up to my waist. 
skiing down this epic stuff. You know, I mean the you know the the thrill, the the exercise thrill of a lifetime. You know, because those runs are like they're like they're just they're very few. They you know it's we're talking very rare moments. You know what I mean? It's like a National Geographic moment. You know, oh. and you remember them. Like maybe I'll be ninety years old with Alzheimer's. I'll remember that. <laughs> What a beautiful story. I love that. I mean, yeah. So look at how, what a profoundly positive effect. So my point is, even if you screw up in life, you could have a profoundly positive effect on somebody tomorrow. You know, you really could. So for me, yeah. I mean, the thing about the arts is we're marginalized a lot. Uh, we're a little bit too much on the truth telling, you know, we're a little too truthful sometimes for society. People don't like want to be, you know, think we're going to expose everyone. I don't know what they think, but you know, if you look at historically, right, artists are kind of marginalized during their lifetime. So uh, you don't know, sometimes you feel like maybe you can, or maybe you can't make it, but hey, listen, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it. Right. That's right. Tim, can you tell me a little bit more about what jazz for peace is? Sure. So jazz for peace started on the morning of nine 11. And basically, uh, I was living on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Where you? Where you live? Where uh, you now? I am originally from Texas, but I'm currently living in Las Vegas. You're in Vegas, great. Right. Well, at some point, go, make sure you go to jazzforpeace.org forward slash Vegas. Okay. Do that, and you'll see one of our events in Las Vegas. Actually, it was at the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. Heard of I've it? Been, yeah, I've been there a couple times. Killer place, man. Yeah, it great is. place. We had an amazing event there, Smith Center for the Performing Arts, and everybody in Nevada participated. And what I love about that event is a way to talk to you about Jazz for Peace, what Jazz for Peace does. There were Republicans and Democrats who hate each other, and their names were on this PDF, you know, the, 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 the little booklet they give you. No, them, no, no problem. They were all there. You know, what's that guy? The Speaker of the House is from Nevada, right? What was his name? You know what I'm talking about for I many years? He, yeah, he was a Speaker of the House. I forgot his name right now, but you I would know you. if I... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably get it. Yeah, I mean, I forgot his name. He, you know, he's not the Speaker now, but the Speaker before Nancy Pelosi was this guy. He was from Las Vegas. So he, was, he had given a little proclamation that was in there, the Republican Senator, the Democrat Senator. And I said to the guy, I said, don't, I, don't these guys like not get along like everybody else? And he says, they don't get along. He said, but, but your cause was they both feel like what you're doing to help these children in Nevada, they wanted to be a part of. They wanted to. So that's one thing we have. You know, we have little slogans. We have a few of them. Uniting people through the art form of jazz is one of our slogans. If you ever look at our, um, we have these little, uh, you know, they're called logos, right? One of our logos says that uniting people through other, but that's what we did. We'd live up to what we say we do. And, and that Nevada event is a perfect example. You, you'll go to that and you'll click on PDF or something and you'll see the actual, you know, booklet and you open that booklet and you see sponsors for the event and you see all these politicians that hate the hell out of each other. And yet there they are coming together for this event. So that's what, but anyway, it all started on 9-11 because I'm in the Lower East Side and I'm living uh, less than a quarter of a mile away from the World Trade Center. Now, it seems like uh, if you're in New York City, it seems like it might be far because there might be hundreds of thousands of people I'd have to pass to get there, you know, but 
if if you measure it, it's less than a quarter of a mile, you know? Yeah, and I didn't even know how close it was. I only found out it was less than a quarter of a mile because a quarter of a mile from the World Trade Center going north was a zone that was blocked off. And I was freaking blocked off for like <laughs> a month. I had to show my ID to people to just to buy groceries. I'm like, listen, I live here. The grocery store is there. I got to go there. You know, I had to show my ID to go there and then show it to go back in. I had to go back in the zone, you know? So I didn't know, but I, I was quarter mile, not by a lot. But so now I'm less than a quarter of a mile away. I'm in a five floor walk up and I'm on the fifth floor. So my roof is just above me, the roof of the building. A woman calls me that morning from Wall Street. She says, hey, um, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but my boss's son is in the World Trade Center building, and he called my boss, and they, boss, they were trying to figure out what to do, blah, 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 and she's talking, talking, talking. I said, listen, you know, she sounded a bit frazzled. I said, let me just go up on the roof and, and figure it out. I don't know, you know, some idiot with a kite flew his electric kite into there. Who knows? It's got to be something stupid, right? World Trade Center. So I walk up on the roof of the building and, you know, it's like I just walked into a movie. So, and that was right. So anyway, at the end of that day, which you can imagine what kind of day that was, um, surreal, I had nothing except a poem that I wrote. And the poem is called Jazz for Peace. So I've been living up to those words and just step by step, you know, what comes after this, what comes after this led to all of this stuff that we have done, uh, including, you know, that event in Las Vegas. Another event in Las Vegas, there's a very cool, um, there's a very cool library in Las Vegas that has a performing arts concert hall in the library. Very cool. Is it called Clarkston or Clarksville or Clark something? I don't know. Uh, I've only been here for about four months now, so I'm still okay. getting used to the to the town. I am not 100% sure. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of that library, but I would say just keep your eyes open for that library because yeah. it's you'll you'll be glad you know about it. So what happens? Do. What happens during these events? Are are what? What? Yeah, can you describe the event? They're all to help outstanding causes. So, so let me see if I can help you show show you how I got to that point. So here I am with a poem. Right? It's it's nine twelve. Right? And I'm what the heck? All I have is these words. So what am I going to do with these words? I don't know. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with these words. I got a bunch of words. I wrote them on nine eleven, watching the events. They're great words, you know, but I mean, who the hell's going to live up to these words, you know? I mean, we all talk the talk, you know, but how many people walk the walk, you know? But I started to feel like, you know, there could be something, there could be something. I mean, some for some crazy reason, I ended up watching this and writing these words. Maybe there's something to all of this, you know? I shouldn't block the universe from what could i mean should leave this door open you know let it leave it open it could be nothing it could be something but don't close i'm not going to close the door myself on it yeah. that's what i was thinking i'm not closing the door on it if somebody else if the universe wants to close the door that's fine with me i'm not shutting the door on this this is i did this i have a poem well a few weeks later they finally opened the country up again and i had a jazz festival 
in Savannah, Georgia, where I happen to be the headliner. That's that doesn't have the, those gigs don't grow on trees either. You know? <laughs> and it's like there's how many I was like, how many people are going to be, be eight thousand five hundred people there? Wow. So like so I'm going to be in front of eight thousand. Yes, you're the going to be you're everyone's you know, you're the you're the marquee guy here. Eight thousand five hundred people. Whoa. Maybe I should just re- read that poem. So I recited it, you know, wow. and then from there, it reverberated, you know, the lot of people, blah, blah, blah. It reverberated all the way back up here where I had another very high profile event. And um, those people were asking me, wow, we heard about this poem. What's going on? Uh, you think you might put this to music or anything by art event? I don't know, maybe, you know. So after that concert, the press comes out, Delorada starts concert with Jazz for Peace, you know. So in other words, it just keeps getting, you know. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So now what am I going to do now? So now I do a few Jazz for Peace concerts in New York City, you know, uh, at a little, little, few little things, you know. Um, And the next thing you know, uh, well, I ended up at the United Nations bringing Israeli, Palestinian, and American jazz musicians together in a concert at the United Nations. Wow. And at that point, you know, it's time to maybe, I figure there might be a few outstanding causes in New York. Could be, I gotta be, it's gotta be a dozen, 13, 12, you know, there's gotta be 13 or 15 of them. I didn't know there were 60,000 nonprofit organizations just in New York City. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know. That's an insane number. Yup. And there's like 1.5 million in the United States and something like 9.5 million in the world. Now, how many of those are really, you know, but that's part of what Jazz does too. We separate the wheat from the chaff. We try to bring out the ones that really are dedicated to solving their problems. And our belief is that after doing this, our belief is that if you were able to separate the ones that really are, you know, dedicated to what they do, are dedicated to their mission as they're supposed to be, and that are, you know, passionate about solving the problem that is related to their mission statement, our world could advance beyond even beyond anything i could even visualize to be honest with you so that's how sad it is it's what's sad is that a lot of the problems in the world are solvable and it's not the solution it's the implementation where we're stuck we're stuck at the implementation level you know what i'm saying and now the cool thing is people like you and other people who don't know what I know because I, I, you know, I've been like to, right on that third rail. You know, I've, I've really seen stuff from this journey. Other people, you know, they, they don't know, they don't know any more than I knew. But now you guys, now you guys are starting to wake up, you know, to stuff. I see it, and even I'm waking up more, and you guys are waking up as well. Um, so you're starting to see that what I say might have some truth to it, you know, and um. Uh, you know, there might be a situation where people start paying attention and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, that would be a good idea to find out who the greatest causes are and help help them get the job done, you know, for these problems that they're trying to address. Um, 
But I was going to bring up one. I was going to bring up one. Um, you know, like I, one that everyone knows, right, is cancer, right? Okay. Cancer. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> There's people in cancer, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to know what would happen to you if you showed them a cure for cancer. Because they're making money off the treatment, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, they're making money off the treatment. What happens to their jobs, right? Now, you would think in their mind, oh, it would be great. But from a practical level, you know, um, they want to treat you next year. They don't want to cure you this year. It's just not, you know, you can't, I know, it's... It's human nature, you know, so I don't want them to get mad at me either because I understand that it's human nature. We're, we're all, we all have these, you know, we all have these aspects. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to change everything they're doing and have to do something else or whatever, you know. We're very self, we're a very selfish species, which is not always wrong. I think that, that gets uh, spinned like, oh, well, am I not supposed to be, so we're supposed to protect ourselves. I, I do get that. But it, it is to the point where it is where it becomes the detriment of others and to what makes it seem like we're trying to solve a problem, but we're really not. And then that omission or that um, that change, uh, that perception change or that uh, like untruthful perception is just not it's it's a lie right i guess that's what you would call that uh it's just not okay and and it's unfair to a lot of people that really are trying to put in a lot of money towards these things and then the scientists who really care about trying to solve the problem that are there trying to get their grants but then if they put in the wrong words inside of a grant writing then they're gonna get denied because oh this person might get um in the right direction a little bit too close and really find a a solution here and we can't have that so this other person's career gets gets sidelined and only because and something maybe they don't realize because they're trying to do it for the with a good heart but in reality the opposition who's giving them the funds to do the thing aren't in, on the same page you know there that is that is a theme and variation of the of the you know of the of the problem we're related in that I mean, there's many situations you could blame on the problem, but the profitability quotient is part of it, right? You've got somebody who's making a certain amount of money due to this, that, or the other, you know? And now if you, you know, addiction is a problem, right? Because we look at addiction and we think, oh, it's only drugs. Well, no, no, no. You can get addicted to that money, you know? Especially if your wife is going to leave you and you're, you know, you got nope. this or that, you're hot, you got the mortgage, you know, you start getting addicted to a lifestyle. And now it's like, hey, wait a minute. First and foremost, I got to get my funding from whoever it is, Dr. Fauci or whatever. So what do I got to say and do to get that funding first and foremost? And then maybe if there's any room left, maybe I can do what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I don't know. But these are the scenarios that we're stuck in. And now, you know, I think Hey, look, all of us get inconvenienced on this planet. I mean, it just, it's part of life. But for the greater good, uh, we do have to solve some of our problems on this planet or we're going to get, you know, inundated as we almost already are. I, it is definitely on its way. And I think that the the, the world itself is not the mother nature does not appreciate humans. I think humans are really quite a parasite at this point. And I think we saw that during uh, the time where we had the lockdown during COVID, you know, we had this, these huge increases in population 
of our natural world uh, of uh, whales having the best breeding season that they've ever had. Same thing with penguins having the best breeding season they've ever had. And these very healthy migrations. And it's if we look around, what's the only thing that stopped? It was humans, right? Um, unfortunately, we are we need we need to solve some problems um, for the for the we're not here for a sprint, right? We hear it all the time. It's not the, the, the rabbit doesn't win, right? We're not here to sprint. Uh, it, it is, it should be a more long-term thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the bottom line is, um, there are solutions and having the regular people wake up, um, is going to help us, I hope, get to where people actually say, hey, you know what? We don't want another year of the problem with a handful of people profiting to beyond, you know, everyone's wildest dreams so that the pro- th- these profits are so a problem can continue, not be solved. Do you know what I mean? And we want to see the solutions uh, and, and we all have to get in on this together because otherwise, otherwise you're an enabler of the problem. And that's where people are. A lot of people think that by not knowing anything or by accepting, you know, bizarre information that comes from, you know, companies that have so much money to pay the media to tell them what they want them to say. And, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Well, you are, you're, you're, you know, you're an enable, you're enabling the situation. And I I did a video. It's only 50 seconds long saying, you know, it kind of says, dingbat New York City jazz musician solves world problem in 50 seconds. You know what I mean? And if you go on Google and you write, like, I think it's not NYC, jazz musician solves problem in 50 seconds, it comes up. It's a short, it's 50 seconds long. And all I do in the thing is I say, listen, um, we've got a situation now where every, it's undeniable, technology is eliminating the need for workers in many areas, right? So great. You could take all that money and give it to one person, you know, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, whatever, or that profit that's that is that technology is eliminating, we can embrace that and then that money, okay, can be shared to people who don't have to go and do that manual job so that they can, hey, brainstorm as to how they could benefit the community with their time, with that time they have on their hands in connection to natural passions that they have within their soul. Because I'm in philanthropy, uh, you know, and the arts and culture, and I've worked with hundreds of outstanding causes, over 850 of, of um grants have been awarded for wow. this world-class cultural event at no cost to you, plus the vital staffing expertise and guidance to make it a success. That's what Jazz for Peace offers. And I've worked with them. And you know what? They're all extraordinarily passionate about extraordinarily different things. And all those extraordinarily different things we need. You know, some lady who wants an uh, animal lover, I'm not that passionate about, you know, whatever that is. Could be orangutans. And you know what? We did one for orangutans <laughs> in 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 uh, Los Angeles. And Ed Begley Jr., I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's an actor. He was in um he was in a lot of great movies, but you know Breaking not Breaking Bad. What was the other one? Uh, Better Call Saul? Yes. 
He was in the last. If you look at Better Call Saul, it always says special guest Ed Begley Jr. Okay. All right. He was just had a role, but they put this little special guest because he's kind of a well-known. He's been in so many movies over the years, and you would recognize him if you saw him. Anyway, he was he's he likes a reason to orangutans, and orangutans are fascinating. I hear the word orangutan, and we think, what, you know, no, they're amazing creatures. Anyway, he knows more than me. He was at the event. Wow. Backstage, talking to him, I met him. Amazing guy. Anyway. And here I am. See, the thing is, I have like six degrees of separation with anything. You know, you, you <laughs> mentioned an animal and I'm, you know, I just threw out orangutans and we did do something. But like I said, these people are passionate about the orangutans and they have a right to be. But you can't expect me or you to get that passionate. They're the ones that are passionate. So you know what? Let them do their thing. You know, their passion goes to. um these uh, Indonesia and places like this, and it d- deals with the forests there and trees being cut down. And it's a phenomenal story. And man, these orangutans deserve their natural habitat. Things, sh- Everything they're saying is right. I love, the, I, I love the people. I love the passion. I love the organization. The concert was great, everything. But like I said, these people, instead of Instead of them spending 363 days trying to get funding and one day saving orangutans, you know what I mean? Yeah. We could make this part of a trickle-up economy for philanthropy instead of a trickle-down economy, right? Now these people get to work on saving the orangutans most of the time instead of, let you know, you know what I mean? Instead of, instead of vice versa. I think there's, there's and, and we're big... doing it with funds that are being made by technology that, you know what I mean? There's no reason not to do something like that with it. Instead of just giving it to someone who's already got how many billions and they can't, they're not even going to like make a dent into the billions they, whatever they have, right? I mean, it'll be four more lifetimes before they get to that money from this month to spend it. Or to do something with it. I think there's two yeah. big problems here. It's time is not appreciated as a commodity. And yeah. greed is very real. And if we give the appreciation to understanding that, that time will run out and that it is a commodity, I can use my skills to benefit a community and not just it has to be associated with a dollar bill then there can be a lot of progress very quickly in our in our very small communities if it wasn't so hard to just coach a a community right where you had really good fitness um educators it, we wouldn't have such a big problem with obesity in this country you know like people that do care about these these things i and I love music. I, I think it's fantastic, but I don't have the skills to do it. But it's also an important pastime, right? So right. It, it's it's good for the good for the soul. It's good for the community. It's it's just it's it's an experience to be able to sit around somebody playing a nice piece of music, and everyone kind of leaves everything else outside. Their, all their differences kind of dissipate, and then now we're just all sharing and listening to this beautiful piece of music. It is something that's such an, a, a very nice equalizer, and I think the same thing with fitness. We're all in here struggling. We're all in here having a hard time, but you know what? We all know that this is going to be good for us long term. As just as humans, as operators, this is going to be good for us, right? And it would be it would be nice if we had more people who 
felt like they could go into those those spaces comfortably and not have to worry about their month to month mortgages or bills. Uh, it, it would be it would be pleasurable for sure. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing: let them let them what they want to do that they're passionate about is so helpful to our society and communities. So let them help heal our world. That's what they really want to do. That's what's really in their spirit. So let them help us. We need all the help we can get. Let yeah. all these people help us rather than use technology to eliminate the jobs and then make the people uh, powerless and poorless and destitute in need of something, uh, any kind of addiction to, to, you know, to help get through the day and give all the money to someone who already has all the money. Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, you've got to give common sense a little bit of a chance. But, you know, if you do that, then I don't know. The, I don't know if the opioid industry would be happy about it because people might have less need for, you know, I don't know, you know. But that's the breaks. I mean, sorry. I mean, didn't they already make a ton of money off that scam with the, um, the what is it, the Sackler family or whatever? Have you heard about that? I have not. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Oh my God, this family, right? So they, um, you know, people like money, where money comes from, okay? Money originally comes from um, people who didn't want to carry their gold around way back, I don't know, way back where, and I don't know how far back. And they don't want to carry their gold everywhere they go. They lug the gold around, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, hey man, could you, if I could trust you to guard this gold, you know, I'll give you, a, I'll pay you a little bit to guard it, you know, and this guy's, and then, hey, are you, you guarding gold over there? Can I store my gold over, you know, and next thing you know, he's got a big thing that looks like a bank with gold in it when he's standing out there with a rifle, you know, and then they're like, yeah, no problem. Whenever you want to buy something, come get your gold. You know what I mean? Just come and get it. Come and get it. Come get it. Well, then they got sick of doing that. And they said, wait a minute. I have the note. He gave me a note. I'll give the note to you and you go get the goddamn gold. You give me the boat. Here's, I'll give you the note and you get the gold when you go get it. <laughs> no problem. I just take this note. Yeah, you take the note. He'll give you that. And that's how money started, you know? So by the same token, um, you know, this this trickle up economy, uh, you know, could could manifest itself and it could go you can still have your trickle down economy but we don't have to only have a trickle down economy you know we could have a trickle up economy bolstered by things like this and you know the other thing that i could that that i see how it could be um play a big role is a philanthropic cryptocurrency that's on the blockchain it's like rules are written into the blockchain that give it a philanthropic use. So it can only be used, it can only be issued for philanthropic purposes, right? So um, let's say that currency is issued, you know, through a foundation. I mean, a perfect example would be Jazz for Peace. We would give the currency away as part of our grants. We would give someone, we have a currency called Trickle. Trickle up. Okay. We give you the currency to go do your great thing as part of the as part of the event and the concert. You get some of this currency to also do your great work. As you do your work, let's say it's getting a getting a, a lake cleaned or whatever it is. As you're doing that, that money is trickling up into the world. 
instead of down from you see what I mean from yeah. a, a printer's from a printing press in the Federal Reserve. And you know, uh, rather than shoot the messenger, you could take a look at it and say, "Well, wait a minute, you know, we're not funding this anyway, and we could le- we could use a clean lake over here. So let's let this, you know, let's uh, let's let's incorporate this in. Let's you know, let's put some people on the team here." Is that a real thing you guys already have, the trickle? We do. We have a we have a cryptocurrency called Trickle for trickle up. And we do have it for those purposes. But like I said, we don't have an educated public to and you know to get involved with it and embrace it. But we do have it and we do hope to give it as part of our grant grant awards. You will also get uh, this cryptocurrency of which you can use. I mean, you know, it's not, I mean, it's in its infancy. So right now I'm, you could use it as a bartering thing, you know, to get services. I mean, you know, uh, like if you're in Africa and you need to get to Mombasa with goods, you know, and you have, you can't afford to get the goods down there and somebody wants to give you a hand, you could take that cryptocurrency and transfer that into his crypto wallet as part of his volunteer service. And that would give him some, do you know what I mean? That would give incentive to the person who's helping you. So in other words, you can induce people to help you, you know? Um, it's not like worth, you know, zillions of dollars, of course. So then that, that was going to be my next question. How does that individual use that cryptocurrency then? Right. Well, that's how they would use it. I mean, the same way people use cryptocurrency today. I mean, everybody doesn't use it, but there are people who have these, you know, uh, it's like a crypto wallet. And you can, you know, just digitally, it's almost kind of similar to what we're doing with Venmo. You know what that is, right? Yeah. PayPal. It's kind of similar. Okay. You're, tra- cool. you're transferring the asset that way. Was it, was it difficult starting to go down that route? How, how do you create a cryptocurrency? I am completely um, uneducated in that, in that area. Well, the, the most common way is through the blockchain uh, through the through ethereum okay you know what ethereum is right yes yeah so you know a, a big difference between let's say ethereum and bitcoin is ethereum has uses has use uses you know and you can mint or mine, mine tokens or whatever through the ethereum blockchain so through ethereum uh, through a partnership with Ethereum, you can actually develop a cryptocurrency, and yeah. it's on a scan, you know a system called EtherScan, and you can you know it's located there, all that kind of stuff, registered with them, etc. And now you you can do that through Ether through Ethereum. There are some other ways too, but this is the most. I'm just telling you the most popular way. Yeah. Now, once you have that, um, you know you could. You could say it's for a specific purpose if you want to. Most people don't. I don't think anybody does except us. We just, because we're a philanthropic organization and we're looking for ways to benefit our, you know, the people we're helping, we're trying to help those who help others. So, you know, if you're helping others, we're trying to help you and make, give you the best chance to, to do your thing, you know, your passion. And um, once you are able to do that, then we have it, we could just add it to our grant services, just add that gift. 
It's very cool. I like that idea. I hope that it continues to grow and develop. I mean, it seems like you've already you've 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 done a lot, and you have a, quite a quite a presence. So there's very a high likelihood that it very well could uh, continue to grow. It seems like. You know, I mean, a, a lot of people didn't really understand what we were doing for a long time, and still we started to hit these milestones with our benefit concert series. And when we hit the 250th milestone here in New York City. We got a letter from Michael Bloomberg, and he just, the letter said, hey, you know, we have him online, too. We said, hey, I've been following you. I, you know, well, I know what you're, I, I'm on to it. I love what you're doing. It's fantastic. Wow. Keep going, blah, blah, blah. When we did our 500th, it happened to be for an organization in Chicago. And, you know, Barack Obama had been a senator in Chicago, so he sent us a letter, you know. Um, when after we had already done a concert in Rwanda to help bring the country out of the doldrums from that, um, you know, that, that wild uh, massacre that took place. Um, yeah. yeah I'm, that's not the right word. There's another word. Uh, um, not, uh, where they, ki- everybody gets killed. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh man. Yes. I yeah. know what you mean. It's not a massacre, but it, 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 it was a that massacre, word. but it's not. Yeah. yeah. Hotel Rwanda, you know, people had seen yeah. Hotel Rwanda. They made the movie out of it and people had seen Genocide. There right? you go. Thank you. Yeah, there you uh, go. So after that genocide, you know, after that genocide, I mean, you do a genocide like that, you're going to get your country in trouble for a long time. And they mm-hmm. were. Nobody wanted to have nothing to do with them, I'm telling you. Finally, 14 years later, they were like, hey, we want, oh, we want everybody to see the progress we have made as a country. And they had made a lot of progress. And that's what we do. We shine a light on you. So if you're if you're hiding something or whatever, you're doing something nefarious, you're not going to we're not going to be of use to you because, you know, you're liable to get caught. You know, yeah. you're better off if you're better off coming to us if you're doing something good so we can shine a spotlight and people can see the good things you're doing. Well, Rwanda was smart. They did that. And um, that country's been doing incredible since that happened. You know, you, there's no plastic bags in Rwanda. Really? Not allowed. No plastic. For them. Yeah. We can't get that going here, but <laughs> in um, so we went over there. We did that. We had already done Rwanda. Now our second time to Africa, we've been nine times to Africa. And our second time was Kenya. And when we did that event, we got a letter from the prime minister of Kenya. Uh, and it's, again, you can see these letters. They're, they're fantastic. And well, all I want to do is try to continue to live up to the words of these letters. You know, first I'm living up to the words of a poem, but then I start getting comments from people that take a look at our program and that I respect or admire, or that should be respected or whatever, because they're the position they're in. Um, I mean, I don't know, you know, have you, you know, that guy, Noam Chomsky? That name sounds very familiar. All right. He's kind of a MIT kind of, um, uh, he's a brainiac kind of guy, right? Really intelligent person. And um, I get an email from him once saying that he admi- greatly admire the people like me that are, do- you know, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do with this? You know, because <laughs> I like it should be the other way around. Like, what the heck is going on? But greatly admires me, you know. So, you know, you try to live up to that stuff. I, I don't want to, I figure if I, if I, no point in letting any of these people down if I don't have to. Yeah. So what was the start of your, um, like these, as, as the events continued to, 
grow in number, I assume they also grow in size. And so you're, you're, you're having to go out into your community and find other people to help with the concerts or like help host other people. Are people reaching out to you? Are you emailing and calling people and showing up to places? How does it work to get your, um, get the event actually scheduled and created? Well, what we do is we have something called an empowerment tree and we model it after a tree because we figure no matter where you are, no matter what country, no matter what language you speak, everybody knows what a tree is, you know, and everybody knows that that big giant redwood tree in front of your house in Northern California started out as a seedling, you know, it started out as almost nothing, you know, and what starts, what starts the jazz for peace tree? That's would be that would be someone's first question, I would hope, you know. And I'm gonna tell you, it's a comment. A simple comment from someone. So, um uh man, you told me what city you're in. What city are you in right now? Uh Las Vegas. Oh, that's right, Vegas, and we went through the whole Vegas thing. So somebody because you're 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 virtual, so we don't know anybody. It could be someone anywhere watching your podcast. You know, Correct. they could watch your podcast, and if they wanted to, while they're watching it, they could like you know look at a few other things if they want to. And at the end, by the time your podcast is over, they could send a comment to Jazz for Peace of you know, hey, whatever they want, they can say anything they want. You know, uh, but here's an example of a comment. Hey, I saw you know I, I saw your conversation there. Uh, the other day and uh, with Ben and uh, I, I enjoyed this or I enjoyed that. And, you know, I, I, maybe you could do the same for us over here in, you know, Tuscaloosa. I don't know. It could be anything. But that comment, believe it or not, is the same thing as the seedling from a tree. And what we will do from there is we'll create a little one page work together with them back and forth to get this little one page so that they can share this little doc, this little page with their comment on it to the other members of for supporters of whatever it is that they want to be the recipient of this of you know of, of this grant so that could be their board members it could be their supporters it could be their friends it could be their family it could be anybody they share it with let's say 25 to 50 people right and those people look at it and they give their comment. Hey, if he comes to Tuscaloosa, I'm in. You know, or someone else could say, you know what? I just like you. I, I know you believe in this. Probably it's good. I, you can count me and I don't even have to look at it. Another person's going to say, I looked at this jazz. Holy Jesus. You know, I don't know if I trust you, but I like jazz. You know, I trust jazz for peace. Whatever. It's going to be all that's going to be all different people. Hopefully yeah. they're all positive for whatever the reason is. Now, guess what those are? Those are roots. So that, that, that first comment was a seedling. The other ones are roots. Do you follow me? Yes. Now, all we got to do from there is fill out what a tree normally looks like. Because if you ever look at one, right behind you is a tree, by the way, right? Yeah. That picture? So, that, yeah, right there's a perfect example of what I'm talking to you about. It's right behind you. I'm glad because the... People who watch this, I don't know if it comes out audio or does it come out video too? It'll be, it'll be both. All right. So people watching video, take a look at the tree uh, behind Ben and you will see exactly what I mean. So that tree, it's root, the roots are spread out. They're not just, you know, 25 little twigs. On. They're like, woo. So we have to, we have to. So what we do is we'll look at the comments and we will see, you'll see if you'll see from the comments, 
there's a few people there that would gladly invite some of their friends and some of their to be, because all of them are going to be VIP guests of honor at the event. You follow me? And VIP guests of honor, that is a good deal for a lot of reasons. Okay. Number one, it's a world-class cultural event um, that is helping an outstanding cause, right? Number two, there's a VIP meet and greet that takes place for all the VIPs. Number three, when the, uh, what sponsors we get, those sponsors give, you know, little things, whatever it is, you know, they give their champagne or their this or their that, their food. The VIPs are getting all that, you know, it can be preferred seating. It can be, they could end up with free NFTs or cryptocurrency. They could end up with gift bags. You know what I mean? So it's a great deal. So, you know, you would want to go just for all that is, is already. So they would want to invite their friends, you know. There might be someone that likes that cause or likes that person who like who's represent cause who like, you know, I want to tell my friends about this, but, you know, we were in between strikes and spares at the bowling alley, you know, or, you know, we're playing the cards. I'm trying to tell them. And, you know, the other guy gets a royal flush in the middle of my sentence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to tell somebody when you're in the middle of something else, you know. That's I'll fair. throw him a couple tickets to this event. He'll be he'll learn about you there, you know. So now they get yeah. So they get to make VIP lists. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So now instead of one VIP list, you could have like nine or ten of them, right? And if you've got, let's just say you got five VIP lists, and all those VIP lists have fifteen people on them, right? I mean, this is this is now the low end, right? I'm just giving you low yeah. lowest. What, what's 15 times five, right? It's uh, 60, 75, right? So right there, you've got 75 VIPs, right? But guess what? Nobody comes to a Jazz for Peace event all by their stupid self, leaves their wife at home, want to divorce them. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, their girlfriend stands up their, you know, their date. You know what I mean? They don't do that. They bring somebody, right? It's a, it's a, it's that kind of a thing. You want to bring somebody. So really, right there, we're talking about 150 VIPs. You see what I mean? Yeah. And guess who loves that? Guess who loves that? Our sponsors. Right? Because they're like, oh, okay, how many people are going to be in the VIP? Well, we've got about 150. Well, those, that's 150 future customers in their minds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... These, it's just like what's just like the picture behind you, just like that tree behind you. Those roots are important and they make a difference. And now, once those roots are planted, we have a world class cultural event to grow the rest of the tree, right? From those roots. So now we can grow branches of a tree that are tied to those roots, you know? I mean, you can't just publicize somebody's pipe dream, you know, but if it's already got 150 VIPs committed to attend, um, if it's already uh, a confirmed event, you know, we have the date decided, right? I mean, with those 150, th those will help you with a venue too, because there are some venues that are like, whoa, you're going to bring 150 customers into my joint here, you know? 
yeah, we have a little, we have a, you know, we have a banquet, whatever for, you know, we have this or that, or we have a night for you for this performance or whatever it is, you know, I mean, the Smith Center is a perfect example. And so is that, so is that other place that I told you about, you're going to find out about it, Clarkson or something library. Um, It's really nice concert hall. I hope you'll check it out. Anyway, that helps you get the venue, right? But now you've got the VIPs are helping us to get the venue. Now we've got the venue, the date. And now, yeah, you can publicize something when you have all that in place. Not only that, you can also begin the process of another branch, which is local sponsors at the local level, you know, and get the community involved. You know what I mean? And so these branches all pile up, you know. Some of them don't do that well. Some of them do way better than we expected. And what do you get? You get a unique tree, just like the one behind you. There's no other tree like that on the planet, which is amazing, but true. Right? Every single tree is. So every one of these events has been unique. And they're not all big. Some of them are small. And some smaller ones are bigger than the bigger ones. You know, because we might have had a huge event where the the way we did, the way that person did it in that country was they made the tickets so cheap that everybody could come, you know, but we might have, we've had other events where it was like $3,000 for a little table, you know, and you can see why that made a lot of money. It was in a tiny place, you know, but they had a few people. So we work with each organization to try to figure out what's the best way. At the end of the day, it's a helpful step forward. And there's so many ways to win instead of so many ways to lose if you do it. I don't know, all these other convoluted ways that people do things. Um, There's just a lot of ways you can win it. And if you win in a couple of those ways, you've benefited. You've gotten a helpful step forward. And that's really all we promise. Um, But the other thing is people really like the music because they often don't get. I'll tell you, uh, Las Vegas is not a jazz town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, right? It's like a Lady Gaga, Elton John. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's entertainment, right? Correct. Yeah. So it was a great opportunity for people to hear, you know, New York City jazz. Sounds like a really cool opportunity. It sounds like a really, uh, a really nice event, and I would like to make, hopefully make it to one one day. It sounds ideal. Well, the best way to make it to one is just give your pot, you know, send the link to your podcast to an outstanding cause in Las Vegas when you come across one. There you go. It's really that simple. I mean, you might be on the grocery line, you know, and there's like five people in front of you and you're talking to some woman. What do you do? Oh, and she tells you about some wonderful because you'd be surprised how many people are doing have these wonderful sidelines that they do. And that's what their passion is, you know, and you're like, whoa. Have you heard about jazz? Oh, I haven't. And you don't hear about jazz or peace because it's not, we're not, um, you know, we're not, you're not, I mean, we're not helping toothpaste sales. We're not deterring from them, but, you know, we're not, Procter & Gamble is not going to, you know, yeah. give CNN the money or whatever, you know, I don't know what it takes. But we do get on national TV when we are in these places, though, because that's a different ball ballgame. Um, if, if you look at branch number three on our tree, so. What we have is an empowerment interactive. And when you click on number three, you do see me on NBC television. But it's NBC television in that one was in um, Virginia Beach. Because that performance there, now I can, you know, I can appear on there for, for those people. 
Very cool. Well, Rick, I do very much so appreciate the time. Last, I guess we didn't get into um, the ski for bums, if you don't mind. Ski uh, bums for peace, yeah. And then, there you go. Right. And um, now, what is your experience with jazz music? Do you know anything about it? Um, very little. So I know very, very little about jazz. I enjoy jazz whenever I go out and smoke a cigar. There's a couple different places here in town that I like to go to. Um, but outside of the, the complexities of what jazz is, they are definitely beyond, beyond me. I have not studied them, but I do understand that it is uh, quite a complex music. Well, the things that I, the thing I do for all these different podcasts is I make up, uh, I improvise a piece that is completely unique to that podcast. No one will ever hear it unless they go to that specific podcast. And I call all of the free improvisations free. Instead of calling it free jazz, I call it free J-A. Because when I went to Haiti, I found out that uh, the real spelling of jazz is J-A-S-S. Okay. So this piece I'm going to make up for you is called Free J-A, which helps us promote uh, our interests in some of our human rights, freedom of speech, um, freedom for um, f- of uh, journalistic integrity, and things of that nature. Let's do it. Uh, so, so maybe I should do. I could do that for you now, and you'll hear some jazz. I don't know what you're going to hear because I don't know what I'm going to play. But cool. you'll hear something, and then then we can go to the ski bombs. Yeah, right, let's do it. All right. Beautifully done. I mean, very well done for sure. That was very nice. I very much so appreciated that. I could never do it again. I'll tell you that. I don't know what I did. <laughs> that's kind of cool, though. You know, it'll exist forever on this podcast, and that's that's quite a cool experience for other people to get to to listen in on. Some of them do. They'll go to like, let me see what. what well, I want to see the one he did on that one. I want to see that because they're so they're really different. If you ever go to an, another one, you'll be like, whoa, that doesn't sound anything like the one he did for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look at some other people's uh, Jazz for Peace episodes and see what yeah, I Yeah, because find. it's based on, it's just based on like the moment in time, the vibe, the conversation, you know, any little thing could play into it, you know, the the weather in New York looking out this window, I don't know, it's just, it's just, a, you know, there's no, it flow, it comes, it's like, an, I allow it to come through, basically. I love that. Well, if you don't mind, like, can we get into a little bit about ski bums? And then yeah. I just, it, it, I have another podcast here in just a moment. Okay. Um, so we'll make it not super quick, but moderately. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's, let's do the quick version. Um, I don't get to talk about ski bums that much because, you know, people, there's not many, but it's, I think it's amazing. And the reason I brought it up to you is because, you know, the thing is, uh, people work out and they start their day that way and it lifts their endorphins and all that stuff. And when I do the ski thing, uh, the ski bum, like I was telling you, you know, I, I go there, I, I try to find a, uh, someplace, some little room in some lady's house or wherever that she's wants to make a little money from. And I ride a bike to a ski bus. I take the ski bus to the mountain and I'm up at 14,000 feet, you know, uh, right when the mountain opens at nine o'clock and you know, the terrain is phenomenal. Some of the best terrain in North America, uh, where I go and, uh, and you know, the mountain and you're just trying to, you know, a ski bum, you're, you're trying to get that 
pristine creme de la creme of what that mountain has to offer at that moment in time, you know, and you're getting, you know, major vertical and it's uh, your endorphins are like to the moon, you know, I mean, you really, if, if you don't need all the things that people are, you know, using to raise their endorphins, you don't need them on this day. And uh, you, you, you have this amazing experience. Um, it's an extraordinary physical workout. And then your day, I mean, you've already had such a good day on this planet. I mean, you, it's, it's your, this is your day to screw up at this point. You'd have to screw it up yourself. You know, it's not like, am I going to have a good day or a bad day? No, you already had a good day. Just don't screw up the rest of it. Yeah. That's cool. I've never been skiing, but I would like to go skiing one day. You know, I've been in the snow, obviously, several times, but I've never had the opportunity to ski or it's snowboard. It's not far from you. It's, it's not, not far. It is, it is a couple hours of a drive. You know, it, it's right there. Yeah. When I played in Vegas, uh, I know at least one of my Vegas concerts, I went from Salt Lake City and I just flew for like 45 minutes or something and yeah. I was in Vegas. Something and I like did that. one in Reno. I did one in Reno. Same nice. deal. It was during ski season like half hour for whatever it was bloop and i'm in reno and the reno one i did they put my name up there with share and whoever they put wow. jazz for peace yeah i i couldn't believe they did that but they just that's put so it on those cool. on the big marquee there that's very neat and yeah. we helped an outstanding cause in reno i would like to to definitely make my way i even heard of mount charleston being a pretty okay place to go not super crazy not super difficult uh but a good place to start and learn and so because obviously i'm new i don't need to be at fourteen thousand feet with the double black diamonds i could go no. ahead and have a nice little bunny trail that i can sit on for several for several days and kind of get the hang of of what i need to do Yes. Great idea, Ben. That's a great idea. Otherwise you'd be like, Oh, Rick told me to go. I went down this. No, no, no. Do it. Take it slow and easy, you know? And yes, Charleston is probably near that. uh, It's probably stopped by the library on the way. If that's the right name. There you go. (laughs) It's only like an hour away from where I'm at. So it's a pretty, pretty quick, pretty quick drive. Well, Rick, anything else that you would like to close us off with? Um, nothing much. Uh, I would just probably like to say, um, you know, um, I think I would just like to say, hey, everybody, all you, whoever's listening, um, you have an, no matter what happened to you yesterday, you have a chance to play a game of good life today, a good game of life today. So that's what I'd like to say on a positive note. I love, I love that. I mean, that's, that's a a good, a good note. I'm going to end the recording. We'll stay on for a little bit longer. Okay. Cool. Thank you all for tuning in. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 